What is happening, Night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. My name is Jeff Sharon. Joining me tonight, Brian Murphy, filling in for Eric Lopez. Murph, how did you get here? I <laughs> we had we it's our first it's your first time co-hosting, and you know before the show you're all worried about you know I, I don't want to sound like I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm here to tell you it's okay because it's a podcast. We can edit things all over the place, and no one's going to know. You know, it's not that I haven't been on podcasts before. <laughs> it's the Skype. I know everyone else is on Skype, and it's very popular, but I'm in the slight minority, the very small minority that has never used Skype. Actually, I've only, I've, I haven't used Skype in like 15 years. I didn't so, know Skype was 15 years old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, maybe – the. I mean I know I used it like in, in like early – maybe 2003, 2004, so like, like 13 years, but it's been that long. And uh, yeah, I'm like way out of my depth a little bit. And I just want to make sure that I that I come across okay, not like the panicked little scared puppy dog. You sound very okay. you sound good on my end. I'll tell you that. And, you know, at least you, said, you, you don't don't tell Lopez you sound better than him. Oh, get out of here! <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. So Lopez has the week, Lopez has the week off. He had to tend to some business, but um, so we're okay. So we're here. Another big week of UCF sports to talk about. Before we get to that, just a reminder to you, the fans to uh, hit us up at blackandgoldbanneret.com, where we are continuing uh, to uh, blow the doors off the coverage of UCF football as well as all the other sports as well. Uh, we uh, are on Facebook at Black and Gold Banneret as well, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. We are on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret, and I am on Twitter at Jeff underscore Sharon, and Brian is on Twitter at Spokes underscore Murphy. Is that right, Brian? Spokes underscore Murphy. That is correct. Okay, Spokes yes. underscore Murphy. Uh, and don't forget to, uh, if you don't already, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Tell your friends, leave us a rating on whatever podcast service you enjoy, and you can also send us emails. You can ask the banneret at black and gold banneret. That's all one word, black and gold banneret at gmail.com. All right, Brian, let's dive into it. Here we go. So UCF football coming off of, uh, boy, that was an impressive win at home against uh, Memphis 40-13 to in a game that, to be honest with you, from the second quarter on, I didn't think it was that close. And uh, we saw, I don't know what you thought about this, but you, you were there. Uh, I, I saw finally, I was like, wow, okay, this is what Scott Frost UCF looks like. This is, this is baby Oregon at its best, and I was really impressed, obviously, with the speed of the offense, uh, the big, the quick strike, the big play capability. I was really impressed with the defense. That's a good Memphis team with a really hot offense coming in that got held to 13 points, and six of them came on the final play of the game. And uh, and and boy, and the nation figured out who Adrian Killens is this past weekend. Oof. So. Um, let's debrief off of that. What, I, I mean, you were there. What did you see? What did you feel? I mean, what, what was your perspective on it? Was, did, was it as exciting watching it in the press box as it was for me when I was, when I was watching at home? I don't know if it could be as exciting when you're in the press box because as Adrian Killens kind of breaks through the hole there and gets to the second level, you, if you're, as a UCF fan, you want to be ecstatic, but you just kind of see him run and go, oh, wow, look, look, there he goes. Wow, he's wow, really impressive. fast. That's wow, mm, and you know maybe like a, sli a slight golf clap in your head. Um, 
it, two things that jump out. One is obviously the speed, and I'm not talking about just killings, although that play, that play sort of signifies to me how much better this this team is than, dare I say it, any UCF football team I've ever seen in my life or there has ever been. Hold uh, up I a second. Write, Even 2013? Yes. Uh, yeah, oh my God. All right, make uh, your I, case. I, 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 will, I will write something on this. I'm not saying I'm not saying that this team is going to win a BCS level New Year's Day type bowl, but I'm saying that this team has more overall talent on both sides of the ball than that 2013 team. Yes. Uh, defensively, what is shocking to me, like you said, Memphis is not a pushover on the offensive side. Riley Ferguson is way good. Uh, they have a receiver, Anthony Miller who broke Isaac Bruce's school records at Memphis. And they, they, they absolutely rattled Riley Ferguson. After that, uh, that, that, track, that sack fumble by, uh, I think it was Shaquem, uh, in the red zone, mm-hmm. that really turned the game around. After that, they really rattled Ferguson. He was, not, he was keeping his eyes down. He was really distracted by the rush that UCF was creating. Um, and it, it's, just, it's amazing to me. Uh, I know that Maryland, you know, rolled out a third-string quarterback, and and Memphis, uh, you know, got got I think surprised a little bit, but the domination of two really good offenses and two really good ground attacks, in which this team took away both the air and the ground while putting up 40 points. I mean, overall, the last two games against Maryland, Memphis, uh, been the most dominating two back-to-back efforts I've ever seen UCF put together. Well, Eric Shenander, the defensive coordinator, is certainly serving some notice, I think, around the country for how his defense has performed. I, I, I found some numbers off the game notes that I just, you know, even even looking at them, I can't believe them. Um, yeah. UCF, okay, so obviously we're in the top 25 in both the AP and the coaches finally broke in. Uh, the Knights are just one of three teams in the nation that are ranked in the top 10 in the nation, in FBS, in both scoring offense and scoring defense. The other two are Alabama and Washington. Not bad mm-hmm. company. UCF is, by the way, seventh in both categories. So this is from the game notes. Um, all three of the Knights' opponents this season, FIU, Maryland, and Memphis, uh, are all undefeated in all their non-UCF games. Each team is 3-1. and one. FIU is off to a 3-1 and one start. We thought they'd be we, – and, and look at what we did to them, 61 points. Uh, boy, I mean, this it, it's, it's starting to – now, okay, so 3-0 and are the Knights on the season right now. Now they face a road test, conference road opener at Cincinnati. This game is going to be Saturday, uh, 8 p.m. ESPNU uh, is, the, uh, is the television network. Roy Philpott, Tom Ramsey on the call on the U – uh, Cincinnati comes in two and three uh, under Luke Fickle. You, we all rec- recall him from uh, Ohio State. Mm-hmm. The uh, Bearcats, you know, they've kind of been they kind of been struggling a little bit. Uh, they uh, they did defeat Austin P in their opener. Who, by the way, we're going to get later on in the year as sort of that that replacement for the main game that got mo- that was moved from this past weekend that we got rid of to get Memphis in because of the hurricane and all that. Uh, but they uh, lost their conference opener at Navy 42-32, and they're coming off of, a, I think, a bad loss uh, against Marshall at home, 38-21. to 
They also lost 36-14 to Michigan. Their only other win was against Miami of Ohio. So, uh, so yeah, your only two wins are against, against the MAC team and an FCS team. Uh, Hayden Moore, their quarterback, has nine touchdown passes on the year and four interceptions. He's only hitting 52% of his throws for just over 1,000 yards. Um, this game, you know, everyone's going to yell at me about this, and this is why. Because I always come into these games, and I'm like, eh, this kind of scares me a little bit. I, I, don't, I don't like when we go on the road to play the wounded dog. Mm-hmm. And Cincinnati kind of looks like a wounded dog right now. They're, now, their offense has just been dreadful this season. They're, in the, they're uh, second to last in the American in uh, several key offensive categories. Scoring offense, they're only averaging 20, 22.8 points a game. Scoring defense is seventh. That's middle of the pack in the conference. Total offense, they're second from the bottom at 319 yards a game. Uh, middle of the road total defense, they're giving up 401 yards a game. Um, bad rushing offense, exactly 100 yards a game. Uh, pass offense is okay at 219.4. But uh, the only thing that they have going for them is they actually have the top-rated pass defense in the American right now. They're only giving up. 163.4 yards per game through the air. Uh, but the problem is they're giving up 237.8 on the ground. And if you look at UCF's offense this year, uh, it has been the ground game that has pushed UCF to the top of the total offense charts in the conference. 539.3 total yards a game. But rushing, UCF is averaging 249.3. So the, the formula seems a little... A little too straightforward, right? Just run the ball right at the Bearcats, and they're going to fold like a cheap suit. But you know they know that's coming, so this kind of scares me a little bit. Um, what about you? Taking a look at the Cincinnati team scouting out for the for the week coming up. Are you what, are you seeing the same thing that I'm seeing, or is or am I missing something here? Absolutely. I mean, the thing that jumps out at you, or at least jumps out at me, and 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 you touched on it was the run defense that Cincinnati brings, or 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 you know lack thereof. Uh, you know, it's it's 120th in the nation, and there's only 129 teams in yeah. all of FBS. Uh, and I think UCF's going to see that. And we, and you know, we asked uh, Adrian Killens about that uh, in in the press conference on Monday about you know if you see something like that, a defense that's got that much of a problem stopping the run, do you get kind of excited? And you know, to their credit, there was no bulletin board material put up. The the guys have all been very cliche. And on to the next game. We're just trying to play hard, and Cincinnati's a good team, and all that all that fun stuff that none of us like to hear. Um, but that's going to be a huge deal. I mean, I, you know, this is going to be a run game, and with all the weapons that UCF can throw out there, now that they're getting you know Otis Anderson also mixed in you know, along with Taj, and obviously with Adrian, who they're trying to get the ball more, um, it's going to. I mean, that's probably going to decide your game. I think the scariest part is you know not just going on the road, but you know. As much as UCF has talked about this week not paying attention to being ranked, not caring about being number 25 in the nation, uh, having that number next to your name and the people that are praising you for it and trying to look over the hype, uh, you know, and it's one to say that and then two to actually go out and prepare and play as if it doesn't matter. Uh, Scott Frost has been adamant about it doesn't matter. And that, you know, the media is trying to build it up into something that it's not. And we're just playing, you know, we're playing one game at a time. Well, we'll see how that looks on Saturday night. But Cincinnati knows UCF's ranked. And you better believe they're going to use that 
uh, as a tool to get themselves motivated for this game. They have a chance to go in there Saturday night to their own house on campus and knock off a nationally ranked team. Uh, I think that's going to give them some extra juice. UCF's got to be ready for that. Uh, you know, the night crowds are always more raucous than the, the noon start crowds. Um, you know, but if, I think if mm-hmm. UCF kind of withstands the the first sort of emotional push of the first quarter and plays their ball, uh, you know, and plays their game, I, I think they'll be just fine. I think they will be really just fine. You know, somehow these two teams have managed to avoid each other in the American, despite. Cincinnati actually had putting together a couple of pretty good seasons not all that long ago. Uh, this is the mm-hmm. third all-time, only the third all-time meeting between UCF and Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati won the only meeting up in Ohio. That was on Halloween night of 2015, and a scary night it was. UCF losing to the Bearcats 52 to seven. On that, uh, that was back there in the disaster that was 2015, but. Uh, the most recent meeting last year, UCF defeated Cincinnati twenty-four to three. That was when uh, the Bearcats were pretty much in a spiral that led to the end of Tommy Tuberville. Uh, or, or no, excuse me, that was no Tommy Tuberville was in like twenty fifteen. Luke Fickle obviously was in his first year head coach there because he's in his second year now. Sorry about that, but um, but still, so the series is only tied one one, um, and of course you know and that it, it, and still. I, I I don't know. I it, it, there's something about it's funny you mentioned the 2013 team because right before I came out here for some reason I had a YouTube up and I was <laughs> and it, it was just on shuffle. I had it on the background and then uh, a quick cut of the Louisville game from 2013 popped up. Uh, the one where uh, UCF defeated then number eight Louisville and sort of was the springboard to the to the Fiesta Bowl and. And I recall, you know, watching Cincinnati in some situations where their crowd at Nippert Stadium could get just as raucous as Louisville's would be at Papa John's, and certainly as much as Louisville's was at that time. And uh, that's what kind of freaked me out a little bit about Cincinnati is, like, if they get a good crowd, you know, I don't know what kind of a crowd they're going to get because they're coming off that loss to Marshall. They're two and three. Um, they're heading into the thick of the conference schedule. I, but, but I do think that road environment kind of could be a little bit of a factor. Uh, you know, UCF has only played, um, you know, to this point, only one road game, and that was at Maryland, which, you know, Maryland's not exactly known for having the most raucous on-campus environment. Um, mm-hmm. Could that be could that be something that, you know, could be a little bit more of a test? You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm not so sure. I'm hoping not, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it you know really comes down to oh, well, at least on that sense, you know, that crowd's going to be crazy going on, uh, going on early, and you know, the UCF's going to need to come in and shut them up, hopefully early, by probably pounding the rock with their yeah. run with their their cavalcade of running backs, and and then it, from there, once you kind of gain control of the momentum of the game and you quiet the crowd, then you can play your game, and it's like every other week, um, you know. I would say also, just to correct, Luke Fickle is in his first year. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Okay, that's right. Yeah, so Tuberville resigned in December. but um, And Scott Frost brought that up about you know how he sees sort of the similarities of what position he was in last year as a first-year coach, trying to sort of uh, you know create, mold a program into his own image, into what he thinks it can be. Um, you know, UC, and as much as UCF you know does want to talk up about you know, all the cliches about, you know, they're a good team and they do this well and they do that well. 
the, the Knights know that they should go in here and win by probably double digits. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Scott Frost said in the press conference, you know, that that he we're kind of getting a lucky break or, or we're kind of getting a fortunate break by catching them now, meaning that playing them in this first year with Luke Fickle as he's getting his, his system underway is probably better than playing him next year when they could look more like UCF looks now when when the image is a clearer picture. But now they're still trying to get their they're still trying to like sort of get get everything straightened away. Um, so really, I mean, it, you don't again, you don't want to overlook it. But this is a game, considering the defensive side for Cincinnati, their 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 problems on offense. They have turned the ball over a lot, and UCF leads the entire nation in turnover margin. Uh, this is a game that should play right into UCF's hands. But you know, they always say if you let a team that's not as good as you hang around, the longer they hang around, the more confidence they gain, and, and then it, it can snowball from there. Uh, this is gonna this is gonna be a game where UCF needs to, to really grab control of this game by halftime, or else it could get dangerous. Yeah. Well, I mean, Vegas right now is uh, giving UCF, or excuse me, is uh, uh, has UCF as a 17-point favorite on the road. I mean, that's, yeah. wow, that's a lot. Uh, over-under is uh, 55, um, and uh, so far the over is, is wait, this is according to oddshark.com, by the way, this is, um, and seventy-two percent of the of the money so far this week is on UCF minus the seventeen, and mm. uh, that that you know I mean it, call me a nervous Nelly, do what you will. It opened at thirteen and a half, and it has continued yeah. to go up to seventeen. This is this That's right, a quick jump. Yeah, this that frightens only, the hell out of me. It's only Wednesday. Right. It's only Wednesday. That's a quick jump. Like, is it going to settle at 17, yeah. 17 and a half? Like, what are we looking at by Saturday? The uh, The weather should be okay for game time. Uh, 75 degrees. Chance of rain up in Cincinnati. Uh, wind modest, to say the least. Um, but UCF, you know, right now coming in. By the way, this is an interesting little number for you degenerates out there. Uh, the Knights are 10 and 4 in their last 14 games against the number. Uh, and five and two against the number in their last seven on the road. So, um, so that you know, that's something to bear in mind. Uh, again, that seventeen point number just scares the living daylights out of me at this. So, so are are you thinking that that's you know, okay? Let's let's put you in Vegas, Brian. Are you thinking you think it's seven? Are you thinking seventeen is the right number, or would you be or would you be grabbing that plus seventeen on Cincinnati? No, I saw it this morning because I'm putting together the preview article that should be up on the site uh, pretty soon for the game. And it, it did surprise me. But I think – I mean right now I think I would take I, – I would, I, would, I would minus the points. I would, I would actually take UCF to go minus 7 – or well, yeah, minus 17. Because UCF I, and lay the points. Okay. Yes. So I don't know about the over because, I mean, you could see a game where it's like 38 to 10 and mm-hmm. you're under. So – but – if you just consider that, yeah, they've blown doors, uh, and we, we've already used that expression, I think, three times in this show. Uh, blown the doors off of Maryland, blown the doors off of Memphis, who are clearly better teams. And I understand this game's on the road; it's at night. So, it really, if it was, if it was, if it was at UCF, I mean, if you consider that if it was at UCF, it would be at least twenty-three, because uh, that's how home and road goes. It's about, right. it's about a three-point advantage either way. 
So if you could see UCF winning by 23 at home here, and I probably could because they just beat Memphis by 27, I could probably see them going to Cincinnati winning by 17. Yes, mm. it's clear, It's a clearly inferior team with a lot of problems on both sides of the ball and problems which UCF specializes in taking advantage of. Um, you know, but so yeah, I, I would feel not overly confident. But if I had to pick, I would take. I would. I would lay the points and, and get and just take UCF. So the word on uh, the last word on the game right now, by the way, again, ESPNU eight o'clock uh, and a couple of other notes on that um, as well. Uh, UCF is looking to go four and zero for the first time since 1988. That was when UCF was they were, they were division two at the time. Jesus. Yeah, I mean that's that's see. a long time ago. <laughs> uh, I mean that's yeah. I mean what, what are you going to say, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, here it is actually. Sorry about that. Um yeah, seeking their first 4-0 start since 1988 when UCF was in Division 2. Um mm. boy, boy oh boy oh boy. I was 5 years old. <laughs> I was in I was in, I was, yeah, I was I was in kindergarten in upstate New York. So uh it's been a long time since UCF <laughs> got off to a four and start. Uh it's the first three and start since the uh since the Fiesta Bowl year, twenty thirteen. So wow. uh and also the first time that the Knights have appeared in the top twenty five uh since that time as well. So uh again, eight o'clock against Cincinnati. And uh, on ESPNU. All right, one one quick thing before we uh, before we take a break. So the 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 Scott Frost panicometer is is still a, you know, fresh in the back of my mind. Lopez sent me uh, before we before we started recording. He sent me a little bit from the uh, from the Colin Cowherd show um, that was uh, that's on Fox earlier today. Joel Klatt went on and speculated about three head coaches to potentially replace Butch Jones at Tennessee. And one of the names he floated, of course, was Scott Frost. Um, I used to like Colin Cowherd a lot. I like him a lot less. Um, he <laughs> he went on to say that UCF is a truck stop. Quote, that's a direct quote. Truck stop compared to Tennessee. Uh, to which I would say, okay, you keep thinking that. Um mm-hmm. I'm still concerned about the whole Nebraska thing. I know everybody else is. Scott Frost, I think, has done a masterful PR job of managing those rumors um, by simply not addressing them. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, and this is something that, you know, it's always just going to be in the backs of our minds. So now looking at college football as you have, because this is our first time that we've had you on the show since since we started the season. Mm-hmm. It, it, let me ask you this: it, it, If it, let's say Nebraska decides to let Mike Riley go, and then of course you know somebody like Butch Jones leaves, you know leaves Tennessee. There's a couple of other, you know, obviously you know coaching jobs that are going to open up that we don't know about just yet. But what would you give the percentage chance that Scott Frost leaves UCF? And what are the big factors that would contribute that to that percentage chance going up or down? I think it, it depends, obviously, on what job he prefers. I mean, I, I would give it a higher percentage chance of him going to Nebraska, obviously, than Tennessee. Right. And let's get it straight. Let's get it straight. Both Mike Riley and Butch Jones are out at the end of this year, especially Butch Jones. Uh, I mean, what they did against Georgia was 
were pathetic. So they're going to both can be gone. Uh, I would also it, it really would I think would pay uh, would would determine a lot on how successful this season is for UCF if Scott Frost uh, accomplishes the things that right now this team looks like it can accomplish and the sky is the limit and let's say they reach that sky and really he has nothing else to show you know or to accomplish here because he's already reached the mountaintop for what this school can do uh, at least on the football field. Uh, I could see him going if they're really, really successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they, ha- if, 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 I think if they falter a little bit, he might see it as a business unfinished type of deal, and I think stick with it. But if if they, um, God forbid me saying this in in early October, but run the table, we're, what are we in week four? Uh, if they run the table and, and get to where they are playing on New Year's Day Bowl, because they would then I would assume they would be the best of the of the the non-power five conferences and they win that i I could see him bolting because what else could he prove at this school um and you know but that's that would be the the big determining factor for me well yeah i I, it i think it does depend on lopez and i have you know thrown this around as well it does depend on does the nebraska job open up at all which i think it might but i'm a little surprised about you know how quickly they're well, actually, I'm not really surprised how quickly they would pull the plug on Mike Riley because it's Nebraska and they think they're better than they are. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, and, and and far be it from me for you know, it, as someone to say, you know, well, Scott Frost should stay here at UCF because, you know, he's here at UCF, and you know, and and the heck with Nebraska. Well, you don't know how important Nebraska is to Scott Frost. You know, I mean, that's that's where he won a national championship, played for Tom Osborne. He and Osborne are still tight. Um, Frost was on the Jim Rome show earlier today and and addressed, you know, talking about, um, you know, Tom Osborne and addressed some of those Nebraska rumors. There's actually one other thing, one other factor that's that we may have to keep an eye on is um, is uh, Coach Frost and his wife are actually expecting their first child. Um, mm-hmm. I think and, and if I'm not mistaken, Brian, it's like literally any minute now. Right. Yeah, I heard actually I heard November, but it could be yeah this month. Well, yeah. So he talked to us. Right after the hurricane, said she was eight months pregnant. So that was three weeks ago. So you're right. It could be. It could be this week. They could be on the air in the air of Cincinnati. Who knows? And he but might yes. be pulling a Memphis and you know turning right back to Florida right as soon as he lands. Maybe. Um. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm with you, Coach Frost, because my daughter is due at the beginning of November as well. So who knows? Maybe I'll end up running into you at at at, at Winnie Palmer. <laughs> who knows? But. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah, man, life has a way, a funny way of intervening. All right, so, um, so right now we're putting the, we're where are we putting the Scott Frost panicometer on a scale of one, uh, on a scale of one to ten, from one being like ironclad he's staying, and ten being he's wearing a Nebraska hat on the sideline. As of right now, I mean, you can't say that he. I would say he's eight. He's staying because you just don't know what this season is yet. Yeah. I don't think he. I don't. You know, I really. You need to see how this thing plays out. Um, but if, like I said, if they are as successful as we think they can, if, 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 at the end of the year, if they are as successful as we think they can be, uh, he's going to be gone. I, I think what the shame of it is is that these rumors started picking up as soon as, like, during the Maryland game, like during their second game of the year. We were already talking about, you know, oh, Nebraska is really struggling. Well, they, I think Nebraska was losing to Rutgers. Yeah, they were they were struggling Rutgers. against Rutgers, and then the, the instant they fired their their AD, that was that was when everything really started going crazy. 
so really, we're going to have an entire season here, which could be a really special season in UCF football. But the backstory, you know, in the background will be, by the way, if this team is, a, is as good as it can be, you know that he's probably gone. But right now, you got to say it's high probability he's staying just because you don't know where they're going to go from here. Right. Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to enjoy this ride as much as I can. <laughs> and we'll Absolutely. leave the speculation for later. So, all right. Um, and, for, and by later, I mean next week's show. So, uh, <laughs> so all right. So, all right. So let's put that one to bed. Let's, all right. Stick around. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We're going to talk basketball season. Can you believe it, man? Already, it's our first show of the month of October. We're going to be talking about basketball, and we're going to catch you up on uh, on sports, including a milestone that took place tonight. Brian Murphy, stick around. The uh, Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is back in a second. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy here with you, sitting in for ELO. Uh, we've got, uh, all right, let's, so, Brian, unbelievable. We're in our first show in October, and it's basketball season. First practice for men's basket for, for both sports, actually, for both women's and men's basketball underway. Um, you were at practice earlier today and uh, caught up with the guys coming off the NIT uh, semifinal season last year, Johnny Dawkins' first year. Um, what, it, what's the, what is the new car smell this year with UCF men's basketball? What's new? What's interesting um, based on the, what little information that we know right now other than, hey, we're practicing now? Yeah, I think what's interesting is uh, the the expectations for this team should be pretty high, uh, given that you know other than Matt Williams, who uh, is in the D League, and mm-hmm. Tank Effiani, uh, this team brings a lot of starters back. Uh, you've got uh, you know we obviously you know you've got Taco Fall, AJ Davis, BJ Taylor, uh, and, and and all these guys working under Johnny Dawkins for yet another season. Uh, they have brought in a lot of outside uh, uh, foreign recruits that they can help. But I think the one thing right now is just sort of getting back into shape. Uh, you know, they, we asked about we asked at the press conference about, you know, if they had certain goals that they wanted to meet uh, as a team or personally. Uh, they said they wanted to keep those to themselves. So, OK, that's fine. Uh, we asked, uh, you know, Johnny Dawkins, what would be a successful season this year? And he said it just you know, and he gave us kind of a cliche of just playing the ball. We know we can play, but also uh, what would be most successful is that they can if they can just stay healthy, uh, which is always difficult. But we'll see. I think just because this team has so much more experience for, uh, coming back from last year's NIT semifinal team uh, and, and the new guys they've brought in. There is a lot of optimism here. Now, I saw what I saw that was most interesting 
was Taco Fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, UCF sent out a tweet. It was yesterday, Tuesday, October the 3rd. And uh, last year, Taco uh, was at... T- they, they, they showed a picture of him. He was at 285, 285 pounds with 13% body fat. Then they showed a picture of him this year. 295 pounds. He's gained 10 pounds. But he's dropped his body fat by 3.5%. He's at 9.5%. And he looks... <laughs> like they they showed a picture strangely enough of his back and he looks <laughs> like his back is completely ripped. And this is a 7-6 guy. So, I I look at the team and I'm like, "All right, we know what we're going to get with BJ Taylor." BJ Taylor, by the way, heading into last year, I noted seriously I noted uh particularly how look how much in better shape he looked, you know, from one year to the next. Um Taco Fall, I think they've done the same thing. And it's important for him because, you know, the 7-6 guy, you know, you're always worried about him kind of getting tossed around by somebody who's just got, you know, a larger amount of muscle mass than him. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that, that period of time he spent where he was flirting with the NBA, where he declared his eligibility but, but ended up, you know, coming back to college and going through the evaluation process – if that did not give him like a really good game plan for getting red, getting ready for this year, because you know it, it's all about the weight room, right? What are you mm-hmm. going to do? How are you going to get better? And part of that, of course, is growing up. I mean, you know, you, you, you hit you know twenty twenty one years old. Um, you know, the, the, your your body is going to change, but in particular for him at seven six, I mean, that's something that you're going to be keeping a close eye on. And then the other thing I'm excited about is Aubrey Dawkins. And uh, th- there have been trickling. Th- there's been a, a a slow trickle of video coming out of practice of uh, Aubrey Dawkins laying waste to whoever is guarding him. And uh, you know, obviously, it's practice. I get it, but I'm excited for those two things. I'm excited to see what Aubrey Dawkins is able to do uh, as because uh, we know how talented that he was coming out, and then. You know what? What what does uh, what does this version of Taco Fall look like? Right, and I think Aubrey. I mean, possibly uh, the the best transfer UCF has ever had. Uh, we will see what happens on the court, but as far as as upside, mm-hmm. uh, he could fit that role. Uh, and you know, and I think the main thing this team needs to answer on the court is outside of Taco, which I'll get to in a minute, is how do you sort of replace Matt Williams' outside sharpshooting. Uh, knowing that you can't fully replace what he did because you're not going to have a record setter come in every year. Um, maybe maybe Dawkins can do a little bit of that in a very short amount of time. He, you know, he did hit over 40% of his threes in Mich- at Michigan, uh, but we will see. Uh, maybe it's just more of a committee role where more guys need to exp- exp- you know uh, test their game out on the perimeter. Uh, to that point. I would not say that Taco Fall is going to be shooting threes, but uh, <laughs> we did see him. We did see him in practice more, um, you know, more by like the elbow, uh, just outside the paint, taking some shots, which was uh, which was nice. I'd like to see him move away from the basket a little more. I think obviously the two questions about his game are obviously uh, can he score offensively, and like you said, the physicality. Will he be pushed around by guys at the next level? Uh, with his with his weight, uh, we know he's going to be a great rim protector. We know he's going to be a great 
uh, paint guy, but he needs to find other ways to score. Uh, I think they're trying to work on that really hard, and then they're trying to toughen him up. And hopefully you're correct that that this process has given him a new outlook and a new toughness. Uh, We can't wait to see it, and it starts in about five weeks. Yep, November 10th, Friday, November 10th, against an old foe, the Mercer Bears, old A-Sun By the way, Two two A Sun throwback uh, games in the first two for UCF men's basketball because they're playing Gardner Webb on November the fifteenth. I remember uh, we uh, beat Gardner Webb in the A Sun championship, and our last game as an A Sun team back in uh, two thousand five. That was at uh, that was in Nashville at Belmont University when we won the second of two consecutive uh, A Sun championships on our way out the door, and I was there for that one, and I still have my recording of my play-by-play from that game so Not that and uh, then they went to the then they went to the tournament and gave gave connecticut quite a run i know i know we fell down big time but like but really made connecticut sweat in the last couple of minutes that was in worcester mass uh and uh i don't think the ncaa tournament has been back to worcester mass since and i remember because it was it was terrible to travel to but anyway oh. so that's uh so that's ucf men's basketball uh, by the way, UCF women's basketball also practice underway. They're playing Mercer as well, 5.30 p.m. on that Friday, November 10th. So we got a doubleheader of basketball to kick off the season against Mercer. The women at 5.30 uh, and the men at 8. That's on Friday, uh, November the 10th, just a little bit more than a month away. So, all right. Uh, moving right along. Let's take a look at some sports that have uh, that are actually competing right now. And I want to give some love to the cross-country team because they never get enough love. And they had a great weekend in uh, Lakeland over the weekend. Um, uh, some drizzly weather, but uh, all eight UCF runners uh, finished in the top 15 uh, at the Florida Runners Invitational. In Lakeland, UCF finished uh, first out of uh, at first out of all the uh, uh, out of all the out of the three Division One teams. Uh, Kaylee Forrester was the top performer for UCF, nineteen forty five point six in the five k. I'm just happy if I can break thirty minutes. Um, <laughs> the uh, so congrats to UCF cross country. They've got uh, what's their next event here? They have uh, oh yeah, so uh, that's actually this coming Friday. Uh, yeah, in Buena Florida, yeah, the, uh, over at the Disney Invitational. It's, it's a two-day event, Friday and Saturday, uh, uh, over at Disney. So that should be – so that's something to look forward to. By the way, then after that, they have the USF Invitational in Tampa, and then it's American Athletic Conference Championship time at the end of this month, Saturday, October 28th. So that's, uh, that's an update on cross-country. Best of luck to the team coming up this week uh, down at Disney. Soccer, we got some big news to pass along at long last, on Wednesday, October the 4th, Brian Murphy, the UCF men's soccer team played its home opener. And uh, they got a resounding 4 to nothing victory over our old foes from, the, from Stetson. Uh, Fantastic. So, so UCF, you know, off to, the, the schedule has just been just a disaster for UCF, you know, considering that they've had uh, three matches canceled due to weather. Um, <laughs> including two projected home openers, um, yeah. They're, but they're finally uh, they finally had their first. It's the first home win for Scott Calabrese. So congrats to Coach Calabrese on that. Um, UCF is now two five and one on the season, but they beat a Stetson team that came in five and four. So uh, Cal Jennings scored a pair of goals. 
both of them within two and a half minutes of each other uh, in the first half. Matias Puzolo got picked up his sixth tally of the year. Jennings had the assist on that one. And then Puzolo had uh, the assist to Ricardo Oliveros, his first goal of the season. Uh, so that was the scoring for UCF in that one against uh, against uh, Stetson. Four to nothing, the final for UCF. Um, and uh, just like that, UCF is uh, is uh, two five and one, like we said right now. Uh, and don't get panicked when you look at that, you know, right now because obviously, remember the the conference schedule is rather abbreviated. UCF only has five conference games to go in the season. Tulsa. At UConn, uh, no, excuse me, home for Temp- home for Memphis, home for Tulsa, at UConn, home for Temple, at Cincinnati. The Knights got off to, uh, they're, they're 0-2 in the league so far. They had that, remember, they had that 3-2 double overtime heartbreaker down in Tampa that, you know, they came back and then, and then USF came back. Uh, and then the Knights uh, came up short this past weekend at SMU out in Dallas, 2-1. But, off the schneid with the 4 nothing win over Stetson. Now they turn their attention to Memphis this Saturday at 7 o'clock. That'll be on UCFnights.tv. UCF at home for Memphis. But if you can't get, if you, but, you know, come on out for the home opener because that should be, um, it should be fun to watch, you know, and, and get a load of Scott Calabrese in his first year over at, uh, over at UCF um, as well. So, and by the way, I just wanted to bring this up because, you know, we talk about the standings all the time. Men's soccer in one week, and you can shoot up the standings because there's so few um, teams that are competing right now. Um, USF and UConn are tied at two and zero. UCF and Cincinnati are zero and two, but you know, two wins and bang, you're at five hundred. So um, that's something to watch out for there. Women's soccer. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Brian. I'm sorry. No, I was going to add. You know, in the last seven games for men's soccer, either they lose really tightly, like their losses have all been. One goal losses, which I know it's right. soccer. One goal losses are common. They lose really tightly, tie, or win by four. So right. if they win, it's a great night. And if they lose, it's a nail-biter. So yeah, two five, to the 2-5 record is, is sort of not indicative of how this team has played. Yeah, and, and, and that was something that happened last year, too, because they, they, su- they, they suffered so many close losses, basically one-goal games. And, and, that, and, you know, and like you said, you know, that's part of the game. But... You know, sometimes that could be a coin flip. You know, a deflection mm-hmm. here. You know, uh, you know, a card, a, a card here. You know, I mean, you never know what how it can work out. So, um, if they're able to catch a couple breaks in this schedule, and if you can get, you know, if you can beat Memphis and beat Tulsa, you know, I mean, that right there, that's two one and one teams that you're sending down to one and three, and then you're at five hundred. So you could go from, you know, tied for last in the conference. All of a sudden, to the top third of the league, uh, if depending on how things work out, uh, if that happens. So, um, you know, again, this is a big, big home weekend uh, for UCF uh, men's soccer coming up with, uh, or a big two two weekends rather coming up because they're playing Tulsa on Sunday, October fifteenth. Saturday, of course, October seventh, that Memphis game. Um, over to women's soccer, what a weekend for them. Brian, because they had uh, they had Tulsa and Memphis at home, and Lopez and I talked about this. I was a little worried about this weekend because it's conference. Um, they always look forward to Memphis because Memphis is a rival team. Uh, th- th- those two, uh, UCF and Memphis and women's soccer have gone at it the last decade, really. 
and and I was worried that UCF would be looking past Temple or excuse me Tulsa, who they were playing on Thursday night. Well, I needn't have worried because they scored six goals on Tulsa on Thursday night, uh, beat them six to one, and then dropped five more on Memphis on Sunday afternoon. So UCF in their th- in uh, in their four conference matches are unbeaten, three uh, three zero and one, and they have outscored opponents fifteen to one in their first four in their first four matches in the conference season. Um, right now, they are fifth in the RPI in the country, fifth behind number one South Carolina. Stanford, North Carolina, and Duke, um, just ahead of Princeton, West Virginia, Texas, UCLA, Tennessee, to round out the top 10. Fifth in the RPI. They are in the, and actually just this week, in the United Soccer Coaches uh, coaches poll, the Knights are in the top 10 for the first time this season. They jumped up three spots with Penn State, you know, dropping from 6th to 14th. Quite a few teams moved up. One of them being UCF. The Knights are in the top 10. They're number 10 in the country in the coaches' poll. UCLA right now number one, and and a former UCF coach, uh, Amanda Cromwell, right there. They have 22 first-place votes. Stanford is two, South Carolina three, who UCF played earlier this year uh, and lost two in the opener. Uh, Played them tough two to nothing back in that opener. Um, Duke is fourth. North Carolina, by the way, is fifth in the poll, and that's who UCF beat. We're one of their two losses on the year. Uh, UCF right now at 7-1-1. One, and one. Um, That one tie coming, of course, to Cincinnati a couple weeks back but uh, in that conference opener. But uh, here's, the, here's the slate for UCF uh, women's soccer coming up tomorrow. This would be Thursday, October the 5th. Uh, they are on the road. They're, at, they're doing the Texas trip. So they're, doing, uh, so they're at Houston uh, Thursday at 8 o'clock. And uh, and then they go to Dallas and they face SMU Sunday at 2 p.m. And you can watch both those matches on UCF. There's links to them on UCFnights.com. Uh, they're te- they're uh, streamed live on the uh, respective schools' uh, websites, Houston and SMU. But those are two key games on the road, and I'm really curious to see how, how UCF shapes up against Houston and SMU. If I, as I'm looking at the standings right now, Houston... Five four and one and one and one in the league, SMU five three and three, but oh one and one in the league. And see, there's that wounded, there's that wounded dog thing. I keep getting worried about um, with SMU just kind of you know winless in conference despite five wins on the season overall. It just scares the scares the daylights out of me. By the way, Cincinnati who tied us, they're three zero oh, and one in the league, nine one and two overall. So Cincinnati's doing pretty good for themselves. Can't. Can't can't take anything away from them. They're currently ranked number twenty-two in the United Soccer Coaches, and I'm just quickly pulling up the RPI here because I want to check where they are in the RPI. Uh, they're okay. They're eleventh in the RPI. So, yeah. um, so wow, Cincinnati. Uh, it's it's a two horse race between Cincinnati and UCF right now, at least as it looks right now. But boy, is UCF women's soccer off to a great start uh, with that fourteen to one advantage over their opponents. Uh, actually, and because it was a scoreless tie against Cincinnati, that's actually the last three matches. UCF has won by a combined 15-1 uh, to 1, uh, total. So, And, Jeff, I remember talking to you about women's soccer in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I think I talked to you the night 
the night of the North Carolina game. Right. And you told me then, that day, how good this team can be. Um, but I, I know you know this program well. Do, you, do people the people in the program think it could be it could be this good this year? And if not, was it that was the North Carolina win sort of the catapult to where this team really believed that it could be great? I think it's kind of one of those things where they they knew the team was good, but they were going to find out how good they were that night against North Carolina. I think that that road game against South Carolina, and then and then the home game against North Carolina, and that opener against the Gamecocks. You kind of saw some flashes of it. You know, South Carolina got up early, but we, but we, you know, we we took a little while to get our feet underneath us, and then they kind of got a late goal. But but we were we were in that game. We were in that game the entire time. Um, the North Carolina game was a real gut check because we were down in that game, mm-hmm. tied it, forced OT, won the game in double OT. Uh. And what that does for your confidence is just, uh, you know, I think it's immeasurable. So when you play with confidence, not just that, but you have the ability. I, I, you know, I mean, this, you know, looking at the numbers right now uh, for UCF, it's really been just a, a smorgasbord of scoring for everybody. You know, Morgan Ferrara right now leads the team uh, in goals with seven. But Dina Orshman has been a, uh, a revelation. And she kind of joined the team a little bit late because she was, she was playing in, I think, the under-19s. Um, uh, 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 under I think it's the under nineteen World Cup, but um, but Dina is a freshman. She's from Berlin, and uh, and she has just been an absolute revelation for UCF uh, in terms of you know the scoring that she's been able to provide. Uh, she's got five goals on the season. That's good enough for second on the team. She's taken twenty seven shots. That's the most uh, on UCF. So she's getting some opportunities. You got a couple of uh, you got a couple of vets like uh, Kayla Adamek and Christine Creighton who are. Who are also, you know, taking on some of the goal load, but really those two players, Morgan Ferrara uh, and uh, and Dina Orschman, have really been doing a fantastic job with the scoring load. Uh, and it's been, and let's not forget about the defense that they've been playing as well in front of you know Vera Varis and and Chloe and Gazi. So, you know, pretty remarkable mm-hmm. that uh, they that both Vera and Chloe um, have uh, have seen significant action. Um, Chloe has uh, has played in seven of the nine games. Vera's, of course, played all uh, played all uh, all nine. But um, you know, right now UCF as a team uh, averaging just uh, averaging zero point six four goals against. And uh, Vera has been Vera has been given up only two goals in five hundred thirty minutes of play. So yeah. that's that'll give you an idea of you know not just how good she's been, but how good the team has been uh, in front of her. So. Um, big road test this weekend coming up uh, against a couple of against a couple of pretty decent teams, um, and uh, and and again, it'll just bring the picture into focus just a little bit more, right? And then after that, there's another uh, mighty non-conference uh, a non-conference game at LSU, who's a top right. twenty RPI team, and Baton Rouge. Yeah, and then that's going to be an interesting one because you know, like you said, that's going to help out that, that you know a win there. And you're boosting your RPI again, coming home for those last three matches at home mm-hmm. against UConn, Temple, USF, and uh, and if you can get if in those last four matches, let's not discount the two matches coming up this weekend. But here they are, with six games to go in the year, three in a row on the road, including that 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 final road contest at LSU, 
and then three in a row at home against the Northeastern schools, UConn Temple, and then rivalry weekend against USF to wrap up the year. And then you're looking at, you know, okay, possible seeding for the American Athletic Conference Championship. What does Cincinnati do? Remember, the championship is hosted by the number one seed. So they don't mm-hmm. determine they don't determine who who's hosting the soccer tournament until basically all the all the games are finished. Uh, so that's going to be um, so that's going to be something that, something that you know to keep an eye on. And I know that UCF would love to host uh, and take care of business uh, either way as they get ready for um, as they and then after that it's you know it's selection time because uh, first weekend in November is that is that conference tournament. So it's coming up quick. Um, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll see how UCF's RPI goes and um, and see how Tiffany Roberts' Haydock squad uh, does out in the Lone Star State. Uh, lastly, before we go, I want to catch up with volleyball. They are nine and seven on the year right now, coming off of a, a pair of really tough road matches, but went to Memphis one in five sets, and that was a Big win for UCF on the road. They really needed that one because, um, you know, you know, coming off of you know what Cincinnati was able to do at home, you know, Memphis seven and nine, zero and four in the league right now. But, um, but still in this league, a road match is you know, road matches are road matches, right? I mean, you got to, it's going to be, it's going to be tough either way. And UCF wins uh, at the Tigers in five, fifteen to seven in the fifth. Um, Leaders for uh, UCF, Christina Fisher, uh, breakout 20-kill performance for her for the freshman. Um, huge, uh, huge offensive performance for her. Kia Bright just continues to be Kia Bright. 17 kills, uh, 27 digs to lead the team. Jordan Pingle, who's the defensive specialist, at 22. But, I mean, a 17-27. I mean, Kia Bright just, she's the MVP, man. What a what a season she's having. Um and uh, and they and they broke out Aaron Olson. She had three aces. Uh, she had three aces in the setter spot, um, and fifty five assists um, for uh, for Aaron Olson. So, uh, so wow. I mean, that was that's a that's a heck of a performance for UCF. There um, didn't see, yeah. So Miranda Watkins did not play in that match. So don't know what happened with Miranda, but um, but yeah, they un- they had to unleash. Um, uh, Aaron Olson at that setter spot to sort of set up the offense, and uh, boy did she ever fifty five assists in that match against uh, against the Memphis Tigers. Then it was time for the the big road test that we knew was coming uh, last Sunday uh, at number twenty five Wichita State. Wichita State coming in obviously the favorite in the American in volleyball in their first year because Wichita's Wichita's an excellent volleyball program. We talked about that before, and uh, the Knights in that match. Won the first, but then Wichita State figured it out and won the last three sets. Uh, four, so three to one, the final there. Wichita, by the way, twelve and three, four and zero oh in the league. They are tied with SMU for first place. SMU's ten and five overall. UCF right now at two and two, uh, tied for fifth with East Carolina and UConn. Um, but back to that Wichita State match. Um, you know, again, Kia Bright doing Kia Bright things, uh, but they were. But she had 13 kills in the match, but uh, didn't uh, didn't figure into having overly that many digs. Um, 
Alex Fisher came in and uh, kind of spelled Aaron Olsen a little bit in the uh, at the setter position. Um, Taylor Wicke had five blocks in this game. So did Anne-Marie Watson. But uh, in the end, it was too much. Uh, Wichita State, Alex Kuhn had 12 kills for the, uh, for the Shockers. Um, and, uh, and so they were able to knock off UCF in four. So here's where UCF volleyball stands right now. So the, the key thing this week, uh, Brian, is that UCF women's volleyball, they, uh, the NCAA released the first RPI of the season. They, do, they wait till October to release the first RPI. And that's the thing that the coaches are always taking a look at. Right now, UCF is 89th in the RPI, which is not, not exactly where I'm sure Coach Todd Dagenet wants to be. But let's consider you have SMU right now at 77, and mm-hmm. Wichita is at 23. All right, so those are the... So if I'm looking at the American Athletic Conference, all right, you got Wichita 23, SMU 77, UCF 89. So we have the third highest RPI in the league. Now the question becomes, all right, what do we do the rest of the season? Now they have coming up, uh, I got the schedule here, they're, they're on the road again this weekend. They're at Tulsa and then at SMU. Kind of that weird road schedule, but at Tulsa, Tulsa 7-9, and 1-3. And then you get that big SMU match, 4-0, 10-5, of course. If you can get – now, obviously, you know, don't want to count your chickens before they've hatched. But if you can beat Tulsa, send them to 1-4, then you're above 500. At 3-2, you got your 10th win of the year. Then you're heading into SMU, by the way, who would be heading into that match just over 10 wins. And if you can go into Dallas and knock, out, and knock off the Mustangs, now you're coming home – at eleven and seven and four and two in the league, for the uh, for UConn and Temple at home. So I think that this is a big road weekend for UCF uh, for UCF volleyball, and they have the chance to really vault themselves back into the conference race. Um, yeah. And and getting that win over and getting a win over SMU, like I said, seventy seven in the RPI that could help you out big time at, le- at least at this point. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's still early. You know, in the conference season, uh, and you know, after that, that SMU game, those two home games are extremely winnable. Yeah, and you talk about winning maybe three out of four there, hopefully four out of four. Um, but if you just do that, you're right back in the thick of things in this conference. There's not a lot of separation once you get past uh, Wichita State and SMU. There's not a lot of separation at all uh, with these other teams. And one of the other things that you, you know, because remember, volleyball is the um, is the one sport where everybody plays each other twice, home and home. Mm-hmm. So you got which you got one more shot at Wichita on October twenty seventh. That's a Friday uh, for volleyball ten, and uh, obviously they'll most likely be ranked at that point. You know, still, but their RPI will be high enough where you know if you knock them off at home. That can really boost your number. So I think that you know, in the backs of, in the back of Coach Dagenet's mind, you know, he's going to tell you that I am I am laser focused on the only thing that's right in front of me right now. And you know, and well, of course he is. Every coach is. But I think when you look at that schedule, that's one where I would kind of be like, okay, let's let's win the matches, all the matches that we're supposed to, and then that's going to be the big coming out party. You could get a good crowd for that match, 
and that could be uh, and that could be a, a lot of fun. Wichita State, by the way, in the latest poll is twenty uh, fourth, so they moved up a mm-hmm. spot. Um, Colorado jumped into the top twenty five. Your top five nationally, by the way, the uh, usual suspects: number one, Florida. They're eleven and zero. Stanford two, Penn State three, Nebraska four, Texas five. So. You know, and by the way, Nebraska jumped four spots in the latest uh, AVCA coaches poll from eight to four uh, because Washington fell down three spots. They were six. They dropped down to ninth. Uh, and Minnesota also dropped three spots from three to six. So uh, some movement in the top of the polls um, in the in the coaches polls. If you're te- if you're keeping an eye on volleyball, as I do, uh, and so. But but yeah, I mean that volleyball match against Wichita State, man, that's going to be fun. That could, that could be really, really exciting. So all right, so that'll do it for volleyball. We got you all caught up. Um, all right, Brian, what do you have coming up uh, this week? I know we're going to be getting ready for that Cincinnati game on Saturday night. We're going to be live vlogging again. Uh, we're going to be and you're going to be having your pre your uh, cram session preview coming up. Is that right? That is coming up. That will be on. It's Wednesday night when we're recording this. That, that is coming up. Uh, I would say before the night is over. So if if you're listening to this on Thursday, check the site because it's on there. Right. Uh, it'll definitely be up by Thursday, no doubt. By the way, now I love it because you know I, I I first of all you do such a great job with those, and of course I can say that because you know I read them all the time, and and it's on our site. But uh, on Twitter. I got a I got an interesting note from somebody for uh, from actually I think it was a Memphis fan. Did you see that one? I did not. Okay, so they said uh, so they said actually is a pretty balanced preview aside from the aside from the illegal hit from the uh, from that Memphis game that we won on that that on the kickoff return fumble. <laughs> Fantastic. Which I mean, I'll take. I, my, my defense was uh, that was that, that, that was, was a Memphis uh, fan, by the way. Year. I have to clarify that was a Memphis. Yeah, fan. Yeah, that was a Memphis fan, and that and that game was last year. I, I I wasn't even in Florida yet. I didn't see the. I don't know. Uh, I was just you know. Uh. Well, they, they, they didn't say. Well, first of all, no, no. Okay, I want to go there. The, 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 <laughs> it's not. It wasn't an illegal hit. No, it wasn't. Who said, I mean, even there was even another Memphis fan that called the guy out on Twitter. So they're like, dude, you know, I mean, I'm a Tiger fan, and that wasn't an illegal hit. He got popped and lost the ball. You know, I, I and <laughs> I mean, come on, he did. man. You know, and, and that was the key play. That was the key play of that game from a few from a few years back. You know. Yeah, and you can go. Anybody can go on YouTube and see it. It's if you put in like Memphis UCF football, it's like the eighth or ninth video down. And I'm watching it as we speak to confirm that no, not an illegal hit, an amazing hit by Isaiah Stanbeck. Yeah, and uh, and wow, I mean, what what a you know, and that was the that was I mean that that was another sort of jump start right there. So all right, but anyway, yes. so that's what we got coming up. And uh, yes, like I said, don't forget the live blog that we're going to have uh, all throughout the game on uh, Saturday. Um, just keeping track of things for you. It's it's a we've had a lot of fun doing it the first three games, uh, and you know uh, unfortunately no one none of us can make it up to Cincinnati for the game, but we'll be watching right along with you and uh, and reacting to it and keeping a track keeping an eye on the reaction, the live stats, and uh, and our own reactions from the entire game as well. And we'll have our 
Sunday morning quarterback column as well. I'll be coming out with that uh, the following morning after the game, too. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, also, don't forget to continue to follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Email us at blackandgoldbanneret at gmail.com. And follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. By the way, our Twitter handle is UCF underscore banneret. My Twitter handle is Jeff underscore Sharon. Brian's Twitter handle is... Spokes underscore Murphy. All right. And, uh, of course, Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends, if you haven't already, on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Brian, thanks for uh, sitting in with me tonight, and uh, I'll catch you a little bit later this week, all right? Thanks, Jeff. All right. Thank you, Brian, and thank you, the listeners, for hanging with us here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. We will catch you on our live blog Saturday night, UCF against Cincinnati. Until then, go Knights and charge on.